0: Welcome to our worship service from the United Methodist Church for this Sunday, June 6th. We are so glad that you have decided to join us in worship. We are worshiping on campus in our sanctuary for those who feel comfortable being out and about at this stage of the pandemic and with vaccinations. It's really kind of fun. We're not hugging each other or demasking in front of one another if we are close, but we're waving. And, and we're seeing, and that is a, a great step in a, in a good direction that we're all looking forward to. If you do want to come and worship with us uh, in presence, uh, you need to pre-register, remind you of that, pre-register, wear a mask, and, and keep our physical distance. That's how we are doing things at this point at the beginning of June. And we continue with our online streaming for the service, so those of you who are connecting to us through cyberspace, welcome to you. We are glad that you are with us. In worship. Through the power of God's Spirit, we are all together in worshiping God. June is Pride Month, and Juneteenth is June 19th. Our Social Concerns Committee has a letter to Faith in the Covenant that goes into more depth about each of these commemorations and the history behind them. It is a sensitive, uplifting, and thought-provoking letter with a, a number of good references to denominational resources to help us think through these issues. I commend it to you. We uplift and we support all the members of the Methodist community and our faith family along with their distinctive life journeys, welcoming all among us. Next Sunday during the afternoon will be our monthly free meal ministry and our manna food collection afternoon. So read more about it in the covenant so that you know when to show up and what to show up with. Um, You should find that in the Friday or Sunday afternoon uh, e-blast as well. And today is Communion Sunday. So if you are with us here in person and you have not gotten one of these yet you're going to be left out so you want to make sure that you have this to do communion with us uh being present so i'm going to ask um uh well doug i see you're around here if if anybody needs one of these raise your hand and uh over here there's a couple uh other well keep your hands up so doug can see where you are and he'll bring would you uh bring some communion elements in and give them to people who are missing them we're still doing communion uh, through uh, this method rather than through what has been our traditional pattern. Here comes Carol with some. So raise your hand again, um, and she'll come in your direction. Mervex, were you raising your hands? No, no we weren't. We like You were showing that you have gotten it. Okay, who needs them? You all that need them, raise your hands. All right. Now, if you're watching us at home, what you want to do is make sure you have some bread and some juice at the ready. Don't leave it in the fridge. Go get it now um, and then get it to a a little table or coffee table or end table close to where you are, where you're watching uh, worship so that it is at the ready. And if you are by yourself, please, you you just serve yourself. But if you're with somebody, a spouse or significant other, family member, uh, serve one another and make it a a communal kind of event. Again, through uh, the power of God's Spirit... We trust in the efficacy of communion though we are extended from one another. It's been a reworking of our uh, liturgical theology that we didn't need, we didn't think we were going to have to do but we have done and so please be at peace And be open to God working in your life through this means of grace. Here, through these little combo cups, or at home, through what you have. All right then, let us center ourselves and prepare for worship. We continue today with our sermon series on the kingdom parables. Uh, You might think of them as short stories told by Jesus about God's unfolding reign among us on earth. The laborers in the vineyard is today's focus. We are encouraged to think deeply about God's desire for economic fairness as well as the extension of grace to all who would ask at whatever stage of life they ask. And as we do this, we are going to have to come to terms with the dilemma of what to do. What to do when what Jesus says doesn't always line up with what we think intuitively is fair in our lives. So are we going to kick Jesus under the bus or are we going to have to somehow wrestle with our own thoughts? I'm supposing the latter today in worship. I hope that you come along with me and we, uh, we think about how it is we might actually uh, grow and bend in our thinking for a better society and the power of God's grace in people's lives more freely accepted by just going along with what Jesus says. So let us pray. Holy God, be with us in this time of worship, that we might open our hearts and minds to your holy word, that being nurtured and inspired by it, we would be led into truer discipleship and greater faithfulness. This all we pray in your son's name and for your purposes in our lives. Amen
1: good morning and welcome to our children's message i'm sorry that i can't be physically present to those that are in church but our family was celebrated a wedding up in Monterey last night and it just wasn't possible for us to be back in time we hope that you are well and we look forward to worshiping with you next week I have a question for you guys have you ever been hangry yeah I know I have I have been so hungry that I am angry and I'm upset And I don't always think as well as I should. And sometimes I make bad choices. Our celebrate wonder story today may be tied into hanger or being hangry. Or it may tie into David. You remember David of David and Goliath. David feeling like the person that he had asked for food was not following cultural expectations in their day it was believed that when a stranger came and knocked on your door and asked for food you would willingly prepare a meal for them and david was out from a place that he wasn't accustomed to and knocked on the door of a man named nadal and asked for food and nadal said no and david got angry whether it was because he was hungry, because he hadn't eaten a few days or whatever else he got so angry that he decided that he was gonna show Nadal what was what and was going to start a war with him. Abigail, Nadal's wife said, "Uh, we need to find some way to make peace before all of this happens because this would not be good. So she actually prepares the meal that David had originally asked for and takes it over to David and prepares a feast for him and says, please don't start this war that you're talking about. And in the process, Abigail made peace. She was able to talk David off of his hanger ledge or his angry ledge and bring him back to a place where he could focus on what he needed and what was best for both Nadal's family, Abigail's family, and for David's troops if you remember our word for this season is peace and celebrate wonder tells us that peace is living together in harmony without fighting and that's what abigail was trying to do she was trying to be a peacemaker so that people could live together and without fighting it also says that peace is to be calm and to know god's presence i hope that you can find ways that you can be a peacemaker And that you can find calm in your heart knowing that God is with you. And that you are at peace because of that. Will you guys join me in a moment of prayer? Let's take a moment to talk to God. Dear God, thank you for today. Thank you for yesterday. And thank you for tomorrow. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for the calm we have knowing that you are present. Help us to be peacemakers. Amen. Have a great day.
0: Let us center ourselves and go to God in prayer. Holy God, we would pray that you would hear the stirrings of our spirits as we gather here in worship with one another in presence and through the internet. Our souls are connecting with one another. Our hurts and our hopes are being lifted up. We are thinking about how important it is that we know we are connected with you and that your spirit touches us in a way in which we pay attention. And so we ask today in this time of prayer that you would gain our attention. We begin by thinking how too often in life we do not live as fully the righteous and holy life that you would have us live. And we apologize that those terms in our society are awkward and archaic. We would pray that we would be good people who would live lives as if you were walking next to us and watching and aiding Because indeed you are. So we pray for how we hide your presence in our lives in a confessional way asking that you would forgive those times in which we cast a shadow over your presence. We have been promised that the repentant heart is blessed by your forgiving grace. We stand in that promise this morning with the hope to become our better selves as this day unfolds. Be with us in the challenges of each of our days. We. We feel disorientated. We feel at unease. Some of us are dealing with particular health challenges that put us in great distress. We pray for your healing presence, your sustaining presence in our lives. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. We think of Linda Northrup and husband Dave, Kathy Drake and husband Ken, Jim Lawson's daughter, Gary Evans' friend, Pastor Rachel's Aunt Betsy, as they all deal with their cancer treatments and their life challenges due to their illnesses. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. Specifically this morning, we think of Ernie Lauer's daughter, Michelle, with thanksgiving that her stem cell harvest went so well and prayers of concern for her strength and recovery and healing as she undergoes her upcoming chemo treatment and stem cell implant. Be with her through uh, the challenges, the discomfort and the uncertainty of all of that. Oh, Lord... Hear our prayers. We pray for Steve Blasengame and his family as they continue to deal with his growing health challenges. Now as they have identified AML leukemia as what he is facing and the need for him to have a marrow transplant for that. Yet before that, getting his gallbladder uh, difficulties under control so many challenges in his life. We pray for your help. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. We pray for Candace Shehorn's friend who is managing her preeclampsia and is due to deliver her twins this upcoming week. We pray that all would go well as they move forward into this birthing. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. For the Crawfords, granddaughter Brittany, the concern with her tonsils and her, her upcoming specialist visit this week to figure out what to do. Oh Lord, hear our prayers for Betty Steeman and her extended family as they grieve the passing of Brother Mario and for the Arakiah Brackett family as they grieve the passing of Father, Grandfather, and Bishop Daniel. O oh Lord, hear our prayers. And we think of those who have experienced uh, some Particular joy in their lives uh, this last week or so. We think of Marion Ward, who turned uh, 92 last Sunday. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. We think of Don and Jane Chapman, who are celebrating their 58th wedding anniversary. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. And as we take a moment now to pray privately, we ask that you would be with these that we raise up. We trust, Lord God, that you will make a way even when we find it hard to see that there is a way. And so we pray in confidence, trusting in your love. We pray this in the holy name of your Son, joining together in the prayer he taught his disciples. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth,
2: reading today is from Matthew chapter 20 verses 1 through 16. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for the usual daily wage, he sent them into his vineyard. When he went out about nine o'clock, he saw others standing in the marketplace and he said to them, you also go into the vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. When he went out again about noon and about three o'clock, he did the same. And about five o'clock he went out and found others standing around. And he said to them, Why are you standing here idle all day? They said to him, Because no one has hired us. He said to them, You also go to the vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his manager, Call the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and then going to the first. When those hired about five o'clock came, each of them received the usual daily wage. Now when the first came, they thought they would receive more. But each of them also received the usual daily wage. And, they would, and when they received it, they grumbled against the landowner, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he, he replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last the same as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me, or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
0: like uh, decades, (laughs) it seems like decades, doesn't it? We have been through so much in this last year and a half, but you know, that was one of our special pieces for our 50th anniversary, Um, and were we not just so full of hope as to who we were becoming, what a marvelous uh, piece of music and of lyrics uh, for that song, we are thankful for those artists that are here among us that that made that possible for us. And I and I I think about how that dandelion, as well as a beautiful plant, can just bust its way through the concrete and just try to find a way to grow. And that is. Uh, That's the story of all of our lives of this last year. Life will find a way to reassert itself if we let love lead that way. So Jane, thank you. A couple times a day, I intentionally uh, try to connect with God. I try to live my life as if God is just kind of hanging around me all the time. I think of that uh, Jimmy Stewart movie about uh, the rabbit, and I, and I worry that I'm mentally ill because I kind of uh, uh, kinda picture Jesus like that in my life, kind of, well, not sitting on my shoulder, but hanging out with me as I go through things. And sometimes that makes me feel pretty guilty, and other times it makes me feel uh, like I'm, I got it going. But I forget, and maybe you do too. And so on occasion, I, I try to make a point of being in prayer with God during that day. So I, I reassert that connection for myself. And when I am in prayer, I oftentimes go to the Lord's Prayer as part of, of that prayer time, and I find myself dwelling for a moment or two. I get kind of caught up. We get kind of caught up on that phrase, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That one gets me. And as I look around at our community and the world, it strikes me that we have yet to master the vagaries the of life and with God's help turn this world into the kingdom, this kingdom that we reference in this glorious prayer that would make earth like heaven? We are clear that we have not attained that goal, yet in truth we are, I don't know, somewhat uncertain as to what the characteristics of that goal really are, fully and in detail, what that glorious kingdom of God would look like. Would it look like this parable? Lots of us say, yeah, yeah. that Jesus tells us it would look like what we're hearing today. And when we pray that Lord's Prayer, we're praying for the consummation in our spirits and hearts of what we're hearing today. So those old-time followers of Jesus, just like we moderns, just keep bugging Jesus to let us know a little bit more Let us know a little bit more about what this kingdom is like. How will we know its presence? What are its attributes and its ways? How are we to be different? How will we be different within it? When will it come? How will it come? God help us recognize when it is coming. And we study the scriptures and the the words of Jesus as they're remembered by the different gospel writers and we sometimes kind of get annoyed that it's a little opaque and a little sketchy these answers Jesus gives. Our parable this morning might feel like, yeah, a clear answer from Jesus as how the kingdom might be, but also a little bit um, sketchy in how we might bring it to pass. Now Rachel and I have been trying our best, I hope we've done somewhat of a good job for you of probing the parables of the kingdom these recent weeks, as we have decided that would be a great follow-up to Jesus' preaching on the kingdom in the Sermon on the Mount. And we hope that these conversations have been helpful in answering some of the questions you might have about Jesus' wisdom, his understanding of God's nature, and his understanding of God's intention for us. You know, our first very clear and early lesson in all of these months of taking a look at this has been that the way things are is not the way God wants things to be. And so there is a purposefulness about God's will, a willfulness about God's will in our lives to bring forward something better, something that is healed, something that is put to rights with creation, with human relationships, well, with our inner spiritual beings. Do you all agree with that? No is the answer. Or was that a muffled yes under the mass? <laughs> it was a Methodist yes. Yes. <laughs> I think that's why we're here in worship, because we think that is true. I think that's why we engage in Bible study, why we engage in prayer, is that we think there is a distance between how we are now and how Jesus hopes that we will be, and we want to cross that distance. We want to work with God to cross that distance in our souls for ourselves, in our souls for our brothers and sisters We realize that we are in the process of becoming. That actually creation, all of creation is in the process of becoming. And we can assist that or we can hinder that. Among us and within us by how well or how poorly we partner with God. Understand God's ways. And make those ways central to our lives. So, today we have the parable of the laborers in the vineyard. Another glimpse into Jesus' understanding of how the kingdom of God is. With some pretty concrete imagery that ought to be pretty easily understood. Laborers out working, being compensated. Shouldn't be that tricky, should it? Now, we can approach these words of Jesus in two ways. This is the general consensus of those who have studied these scriptures for time immemorial. And one is that we can take these words at their obvious face value. That's one of the key, simple ways of doing Bible study. It means what it says. The story is clearly saying this, and we should understand it to mean this. And that namely is that Jesus is talking about the laborer's pay and proposing a new model on how it is dispensed. Straightforward application of the parable. He meant what he said. Now lots of people go to parables not for its face value meaning but they say you know what it's a little trickier than that Uh, let's enter the back door and ask metaphorically what's the allegory here what's the larger message being given here and we usually jump to that and we don't look at the straightforward message of this parable and so today i'm wanting you to hold both of those kind of in a balance in your mind because the second Understanding is allegorical, and that is that Jesus is talking about how God extends grace to all, both the early and the late comers to the banquet of redemption through their belief. Now, both of these ways of understanding the parable, looking at God's generosity in the marketplace or in the, uh, in the economy of grace in the community, both of these renditions set up or, or note a conflict between the full-day workers and those who arrive later in the day. And the early in life believers, and those who arrive late in life to believe. Now, I'm hoping that we all register a gratitude to the generosity of the landloader, landowner to God, in either of these renditions of the parable's meaning. God is pretty cool. In both of these stories, God is very generous, God is kind, God is gracious, God is loving. Do you agree? Yeah, either way, we take this parable, yoo-hoo, for God, right? And so, um, let's say thanks to God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for being gracious beyond our keen or our openness to be gracious. Thank you, thank you, thank you for that graciousness. You know, I think about it when I look at my son. I think about it as mom is dying. I think about it as I go to the hospital or I go to the supermarket. What a marvelous thing it is, this grace of yours, God. Amen, huh? Amen that we're aware to say amen about God's graciousness. God has been gracious even unto us. Amen. Moving beyond our regard to God, though, we gain something in this parable about those laborers. And wouldn't you know it, those laborers are the people that we identify with. That's us in this parable. We can't slide in there and say that Jesus is talking about us as the landowner. We're the laborers. And it seems the all-day laborers begrudge the -the late-in-the-day laborers getting the same compensation. As Jesus would tell this story in its face value or would tell it allegorically, he is saying that the late-in-life believers are begrudged their experience of grace by the early-in-life believers. That they say, unfair, unfair, And if we listen well enough, we hear God saying, come on now, can't I distribute my largesse as I see fit? What's the deal here? I'm the creator, you're the creature, back off. Are you criticizing me because I'm generous? This is a God deal. God is generous. I'm being God. Can you see that? You want to be generous? Like God, you say? I'm tipping my hand. I'm generous. The landowner says, I have treated the full day workers and the early in life believers fairly. They have gotten a square deal. And treated the partial day workers and the late in life believers Well, I've treated them kindly. All workers will end their day with a living wage that feeds themselves. Is that not a good thing? And all believers will end their days with a saving grace that heals them. Is that not a good thing? Jesus seems to be saying that in God's kingdom, God will be looking out for people's physical well-being as well as their spiritual well-being. That the kingdom of God will be like that. Like Revelation says, all crying, all grief will be past. It will be a new kind of place. All workers in the kingdom... All workers in the kingdom would receive a daily wage that covers the needs of their body to be sustained. And all believers would receive a saving grace, regardless of when they were put to work, when they were in belief, when they discovered their need for redemption. And this is just simply a good God looking out for God's children's welfare. As Jesus says, would a, would a loving father give their child a loaf of bread or a stone? The kingdom is like this, Jesus says. This is what we have to look forward to in the not yet that we were talking about from the Sermon on the Mount and that which we are leaning into by being people of faith in the now. Now, to my thinking, the cries of unfair that we hear in this parable from the all-day workers and the early in life believers seem to be rooted in something other than, other than love of God and love of neighbor that we're called to embrace. Am I off base with that? Pause a moment and and think about it. And if that's God calling you, I, I suggest you answer. Um, but if it's not, um, one of those wonders of technology, there's a off button. So I'm inviting you to pause a moment and think about what Jesus is saying to us. If you have enough food to eat... Why begrudge other people the experience of getting enough food to eat? If you've been blessed for a while or a long while with the experience of saving grace in your life, why would you begrudge a new person from having that experience? and being welcomed in as an equal partner in the family of faith. And I think it's here where, where Jesus' allegory, that, that metaphor that he uses here in this parable, uh, doesn't serve his purposes quite as well in our hearing. We're missing something in what the early people heard in this parable that we don't hear. And I say this because grace through faith is not a burden that we're taking upon ourselves like the chores in the scorching sun of the day. Work and saving grace in my mind, are not analogous. Indeed, Jesus intends faith to be a a light yoke, we're told in our Gospels, easily carried, something that remedies the sense of burdens of life rather than adding to the burdens of life. the person who has come to faith early in life has had the blessings of it for a long time. Hallelujah. It gets an hallelujah rather than a, oh my God, I've been burdened with faith for 40 years. How could you do this to me, God? Your grace just binds me up. No, it, it, it's supposed to be an uplifting, hallelujah producing thing, right? Yeah. The joy and the peace of the assurance of faith is a blessing to us that gets us through the most difficult of times. And we are especially blessed if we discover that earlier in life rather than later in life. Our life is enriched by it all those years rather than burdened by it out in the scorching sun. The longer the experience of saving grace, the better. The richer we are. It's the seeing of faith as a burden, and then the the selfishness of wanting for ourselves a little less burden than other people have of burdens that get us all mixed up in this parable and leads us to the confusion of how to apply it. So, quick, simply said, two takeaways. God's intention for you is a well being of your body and of your soul. <laughs> God is after us through two different people this morning. I hope that's not indicative that the sermon is totally off base and he is just trying to get his understanding. No? I'm being silly, I'm sorry. God's intention for us all is a well-being of our bodies and our soul. This is what the kingdom of God will be like. This is what we are working to try to create with God right now. Our dilemma is that it's hard to do. It's hard to get us beyond our selfishness into that place of loving neighbor like ourselves. But that's God's intention for us, and it's here in this parable that the kingdom of God Will be a place of well being, early to it or late to it, of body and of soul. You need only to offer yourself up to God in Christ. And it comes alive for you as a marvelous blessing. Now, the second quick takeaway is that your faith is to release you and uplift you from sin. (coughs) 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 From sin's guilt, its shame, its errors. It's not to burden you more. It's to unleash the chains of the sin. It's not to weigh you down more. It's to uplift you and free you. So if you're hanging around going, woe is me, I believe in God. If you're talking about faith being something that burdens you rather than liberates you, And something's a little squirrely with that faith, with that connection to God that is leading you to feel that stepping over and upon somebody to get to head is the the way towards salvation. There's a buoyancy in faith that we should claim that uplifts all who grab onto it. Jesus's wisdom in the parable makes clear to us that God's intention for us is that we would love God and love our neighbor and spare no effort to celebrate that with one another to share the goodness of that and try to create a community in our little families, in our larger extended families, in our church, in our community where those kind of things happen. The caring of others' needs, the caring of others' souls. Life is a blessing to us from God. Let us make that real by letting love lead in our lives. Amen. The share of your resources to help undergird the ministries of the church, and uh, if you are here in person and have not been able to do that as yet, as you leave, there will be plates uh, in the doorways for you to do that. If you are uh, visiting with us or are a part of us through cyberspace, uh, there'll be instructions on the screen that that tell you how you can and participate. Your generosity is needed to help the church keep doing the things that we feel God is calling us to do. Be a part of it. Step forward and be a part of how God is creating a new thing through our congregation as we emerge from this time of pandemic and seek to find our bearings in the kingdom of God. Be generous. Help support us in spreading that goodness around. Blessed are you, God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. On the night he offered himself up for us, he took bread, gave thanks to you and broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. And when the supper was over, He took the cup. And again, he offered you thanks, gave it to his disciples and said, this is the cup of the new covenant. My blood poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sin. Eat this bread and drink this cup in remembrance of me. Send the power of your Holy Spirit on us and on these gifts that in the breaking of this bread and the drinking of this cup, we may know the presence of the living Christ, be renewed as his body, and be transformed into his likeness, faithfully serve him in the world, and look forward to his coming in final victory. Through him, with him, in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty God, now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Trust that this service has been a blessing to you. Go with the awareness this week that God's ways, well, they, they may not always seem natural or intuitive to us, yet they are the very foundation of life abundant. Open yourself to God's leading and follow God's way in your life. You'll find blessing upon blessing and a joy and a peace that is unsurpassable. Bless you for being in worship with us. Katie and Jenny, thank you so much for the the marvelous gift that you have given us and the music that rounds out our worship experience. Go with God this week and always with God. Be safe, stay healthy, know that you are loved.
3: Amen.